Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you today and just pray for three things, dear Lord God. We pray that you would just open the eyes of our hearts, dear Lord God. We pray for freedom, dear Lord God. And we just pray for absolute truth today, dear Lord God, and that your glory and victory would rain down upon us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. I'm so excited today to have the head coach at UL Baseball, the Raging Cajuns, the Raging Cajuns, uh, Mr. Matt Deggs. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate you having me, man. Thank you. It's, a, it's really an honor and a blessing to have you here today. When we started Cajun Catholics, uh, really the first person that came to mind was Tony Robichaux, mm. you know, the ultimate Raging Cajun Catholic. And, uh, and Tony's got a big heart, and I know you're an awesome Christian guy. I've heard so many wonderful things. I've tried to stop. We're laughing on the way here. I tried to stay away from the story because I want to hear it firsthand. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, you know, I'm only here today because of Coach Robe, and and uh, God used a man and, and one man on earth to to save my life and save my family and save my career, and, and his name was Tony Robichaux. And uh, everything that I have today, my family, my faith, my uh, my career, my my friends, and 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 whatnot, uh, is is because one man, you know, believed in second chances and took a chance on me, and uh, you know, help help save my life and my family and my career, and and uh, you know, God bless Tony Robichaux. You know, when he passed. I, I looked at my wife and I told her, I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go back over there and we're going to take over for Coach Robe and we're going to continue to build upon uh, the great legacy that he left. And, uh, you know, I, I said this before, Coach Robe could have been the head coach at the University of Siberia. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered because of what he did for us. We were going to pick up uh, for him and, and carry his load and his vision. And, uh you know, UL is a special, special place. It's a Cajun nation is one of a kind. I think they're the best fan base in the country. And they've loved us since day one, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. And, uh, you know, just absolutely accepted us and brought us in. And this is our, our, our second home, our adopted family, and, and we love it here. I like to say that Cajun Catholics is a marriage of culture and, um, and faith. And I think you see it at the baseball park and with the people you're talking about, how they love to – you know, we like we like to, to to pregame. They enjoy baseball. Certainly, I'm a huge sports fan. Love love baseball and and love life and and but but love faith too. You know, it's faith based community. Well, God knew what He was doing, right? I, I was fired from Texas A&M and and because I was a a drunk and uh, had a drinking problem and an addiction and I was a liar, a con, a cheat, all the trimmings that come along with living as an enemy of the cross and. Uh, you know, I, I had had a really good career to that point, and and I was I was humbled and and fired and had to sit out of the game 430 days. So the biggest thing that was stripped from me was my identity because the mistake that most of us make is tying our identity to to, to what we do instead of who we are as as men of God. And uh, you know, one guy would take a chance on me after sitting out 430 days. Coach Tony Robichaux, and he sat me down, and, and uh, he simply said, I don't care what you've done. I only care what you're going to do about it. And with that, I was given new life and, and given a shot at redemption, which to me is the most powerful force on earth. And, yes, God does have a sense of humor mm-hmm. because he took a drunk and he put him right smack dab in the middle of Lafayette, Louisiana. 
and uh, to get him to quit drinking, which is probably the drinking capital of the United States. That's right, no doubt. <laughs> and uh, it's just crazy the way uh, his kingdom works, and it's uh, doesn't you know his logic is not our logic. His ways are higher than our ways, and you know it's uh, it's remarkable to see the places and the people that he uses uh, for his glory and his kingdom and his honor. Tell me about your lowest point. You know, where was your faith life? Uh, maybe prior to that, and and at that point, I mean, were you able to dig in, or did was it encouragement of others? Well, you know, I, I say this a lot when I speak. Is my favorite song is "Reckless Love" by Corey Asbury. It says, "There's no shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up, coming after you." And that's what he did. You know, it says he leaves the ninety-nine to come after the one. And just nine years ago, it's, it's a miracle that I'm here because nine years ago I wanted to die. I, I didn't want to live anymore. And but just because. I was addicted, I was a drunk, and I had lost my family, I'd lost my career, I'd lost my identity, I'd lost my house and, and all of our finances, and I uh, had, had totally been stripped of everything. And, and it got to the point that, uh, you know, I would have to sleep with my then four-year-old daughter, Chloe, and just hold her as tight as I could just to feel her heartbeat, because I truly believe that God lives and speaks through our children. And I would sleep next to her at night sometimes just to feel her heartbeat, just to give me a reason to wow. wake up the next day. And that's why, Todd, I do what I do. Yeah, I'm a coach, uh, but I also love to share God's story in me of love power, redemption. Uh, you know, like I said, redemption to me is the gift of a second chance. There's nothing more powerful. And when Coach Tony Robichaux said, come on, man, I don't care what you've done. I only care what you're going to do about it. That gave me new life. And then after that, it was up to me to take a step of action and, and get up off the mat and respond and, you know, start living a life of faith and sacrifice and obedience and, and everything that comes with it. So in my family, we have, you know, a 77-year-old family-owned business that um, is four generations. And, and alcoholism in my family was all the way through, grandpa, dad. And so I can super relate to what you're talking about. I've, I have five brothers. We're six boys, six wild boys my mother raised. And, you know, um, it's tough. It's, it's tough when that alcoholism jumps on you. It, was that something that was in your family as well? Or how did all that start? It's uh, yeah. My grandpa was a, was a you know an alcoholic and and uh, you know obviously it can run in families and and I'm I'm just a I'm predisposed to it anyway. My my personality is a double edged sword, right? It's it's all or nothing. I'm 100 miles an hour or I'm not. Uh, there's not a there's not a cruise control, <laughs> and so uh, I'm the type of guy that's either all in or I'm all out. And and the 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 dangerous part. You know, and, and the number one thing that the enemy wants to do to you is blind you. And that's that and he's patient, right? And that's what happened to me over Talk time. And and that's the, the, the number one way I can put it to people is is uh, you know, I had I had been at the University of Arkansas for a while and, and I had stopped drinking while I was there. And I had rededicated my life to Christ in 04. I was saved when I was 10 years old, walked down, saved, baptized as a 10-year-old, convicted by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, but never really throughout my teens and 20s and playing and, and stuff, I ran pretty hard. And, and you know, I knew the Lord, but uh, I wasn't following the Lord. And uh, in 04, rededicated my life to Christ at Arkansas. So when I left Arkansas to go to Texas A&M to coach with my best friend, Rob Childress, I wasn't drinking anymore. And, uh, you know, slowly, I think with the pressures that come from, from your job, uh, you start to kind of self-medicate and it starts with a beer at night, you know, and then, 
uh, maybe two. Uh, and then, you know, maybe you're drinking a six-pack just on wine. And the way I equate it to people is like, you ever walk out into the ocean at the beach and, and you've been out there 30 minutes and you look up, you're not where you started. <laughs> and sometimes if the current is strong enough or there's an undertow, you could even look up if you're not paying attention and not see land anymore. <laughs> and that's a that's a really, really scary, dark place. And so that's what happened to me over a period of time is I looked up, man, and I couldn't see land anymore. And uh, you're lost and you're out to sea and, and you can't put this thing down. And it's a dark, dark really really ugly place and uh <clears throat> that's where i found myself what did 04 look like i think a lot of our listeners and you and i have a lot in common and that 16 years ago you know i had a a, a a rebirth no doubt you know um just uh i made a curcio and my life changed forever at that at that age i'm 54 now and um just something where i knew that i had an experience a really supernatural experience in curcio where I knew that night my life would never be the same. So, you know, explain that to people because my kids have even asked, you know, Dad, what's that look like? You know, how does that happen? Is it all at one time? How was it for you? It happened over a period of time, Todd. As as you know, I was I was running hard, and and uh, you know, I was a hitting coach and recruiting coordinator in the SEC, and always on the road. And uh, there was a there was a FCA representative, they didn't call it that at Arkansas, but I'm just going to use that term. Right. Uh, that that was in charge of the baseball team. His name was Josh Foliart. And for the entire 0203 season, Josh Foliart chased me and chased me and chased me, and I couldn't stand Josh Foliart because mm-hmm. he represented light, right? And I was living in the darkness. And uh, those two just, they don't coexist. And so finally in, in 04, you know, something happened, and, and, and here comes Josh Foliart to the stadium, and he wants to take me out to lunch. And just to appease him, just to get him off of my back, I, I went to lunch, uh, AQ Chicken or, or whatever place we went, and had chicken and iced tea. And, man, my life changed after that day. And I could see the Holy Spirit in his eyes. You can, you can see that, and you can sense it. And uh, he was strong, he was bold, he was courageous. He was a former football player at Arkansas, and so he got it. And uh, he showed me that, that, that followers of Christ aren't weak, they're actually the strongest men on earth, and uh, because they have the ability to deny themselves on a daily basis, and, or at least commit to it, and not walk by the ways of the world or what everybody else says to do, and they're warriors. And, and so he started feeding into me the Word of God, and, and I had never learned the Bible before, and so I committed with him to, to really pray about and learn and discern the Word of God, and that that moment in 04 would ultimately help save my save me uh, seven years later mm-hmm. and and so it's just crazy the way it all works so 15 to 28 right 15 to 28. 15 to 28 tell, tell me a little bit about that Brian, Brian Richard a close friend of mine Kersey a good good Cajun Catholic uh, really um, idolizes you i mean he's um just couldn't speak highly enough and uh and um he told me a little bit about that so well you know and it's uh i left here in 2014 and and uh you know before i left I, I, the lord spoke to me and uh he said uh i'm gonna take you and put you on just a little bit bigger stage we were coming off a of number one ranking and 
just the, you know, pound for pound, probably the greatest season in school history. We were 58 and 10, and uh, it had come out of nowhere. It had come out of obscurity, and it wasn't by accident, <laughs> trust me. And God spoke to my heart, and he said, I'm going to take you and, and, and put you on just a little bit bigger stage. And, and my arrogance and, and ego and pride, I automatically assumed, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to the SEC or mm-hmm. – uh, you know, and and then he spoke to me through scripture and, and uh, Isaiah forty three one it says, Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you, I call you by name, you are mine. And and when when I went through and I left and I went to Sam Houston State and and uh, you know, we, we hit the ground running in fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen and our third year there we pull off the impossible and, and become the first team in school and conference history to ever advance out of a regional and make it to a super regional. Wow. And so we get beat by Florida State. We had them in game one and blew a lead, lost. They walked us off in the ninth, and then they just absolutely annihilated us, beat us up the second day. But uh, I go into the press conference, and the press conference is over, and a reporter asks one last question, what does this team mean to you? And I responded through the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, you know, the Lord had spoke to me that morning to tell your story. I didn't know what he meant, but when that reporter asked that question, I knew immediately, and I just spoke. I can't even tell you what I said, but mm-hmm. I woke up the next day, and it had gone viral. Wow. And uh, it was viewed by 50 million-plus people at this press conference, and my life's never been the same since. And so God used that. He used our defeat to show his victory and redemption and, and love and power through me. To finally write and tell my story of, you know, going around the block not once but twice and and going to the tippy top of the mountain and falling butt over tea kettle all the way down the mountain and, you know, coaching at Sam Houston State right behind the the state prison that's death row. And, and, uh, you know, I I, I should have been in there, but for the grace of God. And and I would drive by there every day to remind myself that the only thing more miserable than being in an actual prison is living in a prison of your own making. And it was just a, it served as a stark reminder of where I'd come from, and 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 where I was, and and so I said, man, I'm not going to let my brokenness go in vain. And and when the door was open and I had a stage, uh, I sat down in one month and I penned this book, 15 to 28, and the title comes from you know just the fact that the enemy wants to blind you, and uh, you know it wasn't until I got to UL, I was still drinking when I got here, by the way, and which is crazy. And uh, they had one number, one jersey number. And, you know, if I had tied my identity to baseball my whole career, what I hid behind was my number. I was always 15, no matter what. I was 15. Well, when you're fired and nobody will hire you but one guy, and they say, here's your number, you got no choice but to say, thank you very much, sir. And uh, the number was 28. And I thought, man, 28 is terrible. I don't want 28. Who's 20? No, I've never. Yeah. And so I tried my best to get back into 15 but couldn't, and then – you know, slowly my eyes started to be opened, and when I started walking with faith and sacrifice and obedience and started to realize some things about 28, uh, you know, there's 28 days, uh, 28 days I spent in rehab, all right? Wow. Uh, my name's Matthew. There's 28 chapters in the book of Matthew. Okay, Kathy and I were married on the 28th. Rob Childress and I took over at Texas A&M on the 28th. The day I quit drinking here, like I said, I was still drinking when I got here, was February 28th, 2013. And then ultimately the day I got hired at Sam Houston State from here, uh, my wife's devotional before I got hired that morning came out of Genesis chapter 28, verse 15. (laughs) 
And so it said, I will be with you and watch over you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land. So he prophesied that into me before it ever happened, and I will not leave you till I've done what I've promised. And so this book, you know, that's that's where the title comes from, 15 to 28, and it's, it's you know, kind of, it's four chapters made up of seven stories, which equals 28, and it's it's kind of about the, the life lessons that I learned of going around the block, not once, but twice, and just that, you know, there's two kinds of people in the world, those that are humble and those that are about to be. And I was that dude that was about to be, uh, you know, there's, and I went through some awfully humbling experiences and, uh, you know, nothing's going to change in your life until you take action. You can pray all you want, but until you decide to take one step of action and that faith meets that action, that's where all things become possible. And then the most important thing you'll do in your life is get back up, get knocked down seven, get up eight, uh, tying your identity to what you do instead of who you are is a recipe for disaster and then ultimately the last thing is god's promises are real and it's just some some supernatural god winks kind of like i just told you about yeah. that, that god had put in my heart and on my life a few comments um you know you're not a baseball coach you're a life coach there's no question you got a lot to say and uh i'm just loving it i mean i can see the fire in your eyes and uh and, and I love the numbers because I'm a numbers guy, and I see the Holy Spirit, my number 16, and, and I see it every day, all day. I can look at this board in front of us as a lot of numbers, and just the 16s pop for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can tell that, that that happens for you as well. And what is your sign of the whole, that the Holy Spirit's next to you? Like for me, again, it's numbers for me. I, I, when I see those numbers, it's like, okay, I'm right here. And then also with doves, it's like this thing with doves with me, but like – how about in a baseball game? I mean, what you, you get some supernatural signs? Yeah, I think, you know, Ecclesiastes 3, 11, and 12 says that God makes all things beautiful in his time. And then the next part of that is says, but he plants eternity in all men's hearts. And so I think in various ways, uh, God reveals himself to you, be it, you know, seeing a dove or... Uh, some something that holds some type of special meaning to you. I think that's God's way of looking at you and smiling throughout the day or the week or the month or whatever it is. But I think the number one way, and I know it is, I don't think it is, that he speaks to his children is through his word, which is the absolute truth. There is no lie in his word. Uh, it's per- it's perfect. It pierces. It's a, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It pierces through the bone and the marrow. And uh, I think... To truly listen and feel connected, you have to immerse yourself in God's Word. It says it in Peter, you know, that like like newborn babies crave milk, so Christians crave spiritual milk, which is the Word of God. That's beautiful. Today I was listening on the radio, and uh, they have a thing in the Holy Land called the Milk Grotto, and it's where, where Mary uh, breastfed Jesus, and the, mm. some of the drops fell on the ground and the cave turned white. Mm. And I got to go there, and it just kind of reminded me of what you're talking about there. It's beautiful. Uh, so, Coach, um, when you uh, go to recruit a kid, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I was talking to Brian this morning about this, and I was going to ask you this question, you know, um, how important is his faith life? Uh, you know, I know I know that people look for different things other than just baseball skills. What what are you looking for in your players? Guys that can play fast, hard, and loose, unafraid yeah. to crash and burn. They have a passion for the game and uh, love to compete. They're addicted to competition, uh, which is hard to find nowadays. Uh, 
Most guys love to prepare nowadays. Very few have the taste for blood and to compete and just throw down and get after it because that's where all the fun's at. Yeah. You know, it's never about the outcome. It's about the scrap. And and if you possess the, the, the instinct and ability to confront, engage, and then go get something, I, I, I want to be around that. I, I want that. I used to hear I hear Coach Robe in your voice because he's given many speeches at Rotary at the Rotary Club I'm in, and um, I remember him saying that two things that stuck with me. One was uh, that most of the players are foreign in the major leagues today, and there's a reason for that is that where that where they practice and come up, they don't really keep score. They're just out there just playing, and and we're all about the U.S. kids. Just oh. You know, I want to keep scoring, and you'll laugh. I'm sure you've heard him say this. They talk about Johnny Fireball, how they put Johnny Fireball on their on their truck and their helmet, and they say, "Hey, my kid's a shortstop," and then you you land at your school, and he ain't a shortstop. <laughs> he used to tell some good stories about that. I think the best thing you can do with your kids, and and I try to do this, and I know my dad did it with me, and and is be real with them, be honest, and you know, don't try to don't try to live uh, and 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 do something that you might not have done through them that's never going to work and uh i think if if more parents are real and open and honest with their kids on where they stand with whatever it is they like to do or attempting to do uh you know you're going to break down some of that entitlement and uh, i think so many times for the sake of you know self-esteem or what my dad never cared about my self-esteem what he cared about is how I went about my business and how I worked and how I competed and did I respect everybody. And, uh, you know, I think that's a little bit of the values that I'd like to see us kind of get back to is, is, is those things. Some, you know, uh, less entitlement, more respect. And, uh, you know, go if you want something, go get it. But uh, you, you're not entitled to it. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm off on a tangent now, but just kind of to answer your question those are the things that we look for mm-hmm. hard work and blue collar values mm-hmm. uh used to say that baseball was uh not a rich man sport you know i don't know I, and, and there's a lot of somewhat wealthy i mean we all have so much you know as americans a shame of it is is that it's turned into one yeah. and uh, joe dimaggio said you know in the 50s there's never been a rich kid make it to the big leagues because mm-hmm. you got to be hungry you know that's just not the case uh, mm-hmm. anymore because of the advent of pay-to-play and right. travel, and uh, we've cut out a large swath of society. I, I wouldn't. There's no way my dad would have never been able to a pay for that or b afford it, nor would he uh, when there was a free opportunity right in town. Well, that severely limits exposure, mm-hmm. and so inadvertently, what we've done is kind of niched out our game. And we have left behind a bunch of really good players that have chosen to play another sport. Mm-hmm. Coach, what would you do if you weren't a coach? <laughs> you know, I've always had uh, uh, this. I'm going to give you a few answers here. One is I've always had a fascination and, and just a, a connection with uh, law enforcement or military. Uh yes. And uh, two, I, I, I enjoy uh, what I do uh, in addition to coaching, speaking, writing, uh, yeah. helping, serving, uh, motivation. Uh, I enjoy writing books. I enjoy speaking. Uh, and so, you know, that's, I guess, to, I know that's a, no, a, yeah, kind of an eclectic an answer. answer. No, uh, I mean. But, uh, 
you know, I've always loved law enforcement and military and what those guys do. And I, I know I'm beyond that now, but, uh, you know, this opportunity to tell my story and then help and serve others and mentor. Mm-hmm. I, I also love doing that as well. Yeah. What about, uh, we'll have a conversation about the virus, you know, I mean, how has uh, that affected your faith or it certainly has affected your occupation? It'll test it for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the biggest thing for athletes and, and coaches and teams is most of us are addicted to competing. And, you know, when that's, when that's taken away, there's not an outlet. And then to amplify that, where a lot of our hope comes from and a lot of our, our release as men and our outlets is professional sports on TV. And that's gone too. And so it's a tough spot right now for guys, for men. Very weird. That are yeah. filled full of testosterone, yeah. right? Yeah. And you need to, in some capacities, be able to release that, A, through competition, B, through watching it or cheering on somebody else. And right now we're we're left with ourselves, and that can be kind of a different place to be. I mean, I'm watching Nintendo games on, on ESPN. What's going on with right. that? It's like really weird. Right. And, uh, you know, it's <laughs> – it's when 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 you're left to deal with just yourself it's it can be uncomfortable and i I think what i've tried to do is use this time to you know take on a project or two that maybe i'd put off stay in a rock solid routine and schedule and and no matter how simple it is continue to try to check boxes dot i's cross t's Mm -hmm. and uh you know, I, I think our faith has probably grown through this just because my family and I have spent more time in the last 14 weeks together than we have the last five years combined uh, just because of what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've been in the living room for church every Sunday. We've had Bible studies mid-morning uh, every day and, uh, you know, are done our best to and, and uh, been able to tackle some projects together or some professional projects maybe that I'd been putting off and uh, so to answer your question, I think what you do is you try to make the most of a unique time that you'll never have again for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. Never as a man in your professional life, in your retired life, you will, but never as a man in your professional life will you have a significant time off and so will your opponent. That's something. Huh? And so you got to take advantage of that. Yeah. And I think it's been good for our faith in many ways, in some ways, but I miss being in church, but you know, it's it has been it's good and bad. I I, I coach on a much lower level. I, I've coached my little kids in softball, basketball, and, and the dugout is my happy place, man. In the summertime, like that is like peace for me. Do you find peace? Is it more stressful? And also, do you do, do you pray as a player or as a coach while while the game's going on? <laughs> oh, a million percent. Yeah, I can't tell you how many prayers have been sent up during the game. <laughs> I I believe that the Lord, in His will and His timing, answers all your prayers. And there's no insignificant prayer. The Lord knows my heart. He knows how I'm wired. He knows I want to win. Uh, and so my prayer is simple. Lord, if your will be done, I pray that we would find a way to get this done tonight. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Trust me, when, when we had three outs to get no, a one-run lead at Texas Tech to win the school and conference's first ever regional against the number three ranked team in the country, a bunch of dudes from Sam Houston State, you talk about David versus Goliath. Heck yeah, I was praying. <laughs> and, uh, you know, trust me, if if the Lord is in your heart and you love him and have a relationship with him, I pray throughout the game. Now, I think the key is this. Win, lose, or draw, 
and especially after a loss, the first thing I do when the last out is made is I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Mm-hmm. No matter how disappointing, no matter how devastating, thank him in the good, thank him in the bad. Absolutely. Well, you've been listening to Cajun Catholics with head coach Matt Deggs, uh, awesome soldier for Christ. Uh, so proud to uh, have met you and uh, be cheering you on. and I'll be praying for you, Coach. Thank you, Todd. Uh, appreciate you all having me. And uh, go Cajuns. Go Cajuns. All right, until then, uh, we always ask you to engage the Cajun Catholic. And you've been listening to the Cajun Catholic radio show. God bless. <laughs>